Hello, welcome to Han Emission. My name is Lena, and I will be your host. And I'm your co-host, Jin. And today we'll be discussing a scientific article entitled "South Korean Perceptions of North Korean Immigration: Evidence from an Experimental Survey." Could you give us some context about this article, Selena? So this study was done with the intent to determine what South Korean public support was like for resettlement policies regarding North Korean immigrants, and to what extent the presence of this policy would influence how South Koreans viewed North Koreans in general. To initially get a sense of first impressions about North Koreans, in this voluntary web survey, the question asked to all willing participants was an open-ended one that said, "What are the first things that come to mind when you think of North Koreans moving to South Korea?" And the researchers tried to avoid phrasings typically associated with North Koreans, so as not to invoke participants to answer in a more stereotypical, profiled way, and To really think about what they had in their minds, regardless of what society already has taught them. So some of the words that were found during this were related to hardships, freedom, refugee, burdens, and then the very common phrases. I think Jin, I'll need a little bit of help as the Korean translation、um, to English may not be perfect. So the first one is "burjahada," and the other one is "tongpo." So, would you like to elaborate on what those mean? Tulsangada is basically synonymous with either pity or sympathy. They're not too far apart, though the English language does differentiate them. And the、uh, second one was actually pronounced perfectly by you, which can be translated roughly to compatriotism or camaraderie. So in this survey, respondents actually mentioned positive, negative, and indifferent responses, all at around similar rates, which meant that there wasn't really any form of national consensus at this stage. So the second part of the study involved asking different groups of people a different variation of the question. This is really why it is an experimental study because the researchers were able to control how the question was asked at this point and to also determine if isolating for a certain phrasing or subject would invoke a different type of response. So in this case, it was related to gender issues. They wanted to determine whether or not participants would feel more sympathetic towards one gender over the other. The general control group question was: By how much increase in funding should the South Korean government provide to North Korean immigrants? And the two other variations were one specifically asking about male immigrants, and another one asking about female. So I think we should talk a little bit about why there might be this sort of gender divide or sort of bias. So I understand that South Korea is very much a patriotic society, and there are certain expectations for the male to be a breadwinner or more independent, whereas the female might need some more support in certain cases. So as a South Korean Canadian, do you want to maybe touch on this issue and describe your own experiences or what you know? Yeah, of course.、Uh, what I know is that, as you said, South Korea is actually quite a patriarchal society. In that, there are expectations upon men to be independent workers and supporters of the family, and females to be subservient or to be the housewives. 
or home livers, if that makes any sense. The thing is that North Korea is actually patriarchal as well. And so this perception that women should get more sympathy could either be for different types of biases. One explanation being that people in the South might just naturally view women as being less capable and therefore more deserving of public assistance, or that males are not worthy of that kind of public assistance because they should be more capable. Either way, I don't think they're positive biases, but they are important to be at least considered. It seems that in the 1990s, the percentage of male and female arrivals from North Korea to South Korea were roughly balanced. However, in recent years, there have been much more female arrival. And when I did do a quick Google search, I found it was very easy to find where these female immigrants were. Some were posting talks about their life prior to escape, and some were on set to travel abroad for study. But when looking for male immigrants and how they were living, it was much more difficult to find. So it's also interesting to note that South Korean male and females have different perspectives of immigration. And this was found by a study from 2004 by Solar and Scretney. They were more opposed to immigration in general, but this has decreased over time as found in a 2016 study by Hunt. And in general, South Korea is not historically an immigration country. So it is very important to determine the public policy when addressing, you know, the eventual unification when immigration increases to a substantial level. So the findings of this study were very much in line with what the hypotheses were, which was the first one being, on average, we would expect less support for male immigrants when compared to female immigrants or immigrants when there is no gender asked. And this was the case with more than 10% decrease for the male immigrant funding group response compared to the other two. The second would be that South Korean women would on average be less supportive of immigration support regardless of the gender, and this was also found to be true in the study. So I think that does make sense based off of what past literature has said. And overall, there's another important caveat to the study wherein the mention of whether or not unification should even be occurring has not been asked at all. So what are your thoughts on that? The concept of reunification is not a yes or no question in Korea. It's an imperative because the ethnic identity of Koreans does not differentiate between the North and the South. This is true both of the South and the North. They as a people view their cultural differences to be largely influenced by foreign factors, as in one side of the country returned communist and the other capitalist. But the ethnic identity of Korea never really went away despite it all. Nationalism is a very important part of both Koreas. And thus, the question of reunification is not an if, but a when for both the North and the South. Mm. So because the culture has been brought up to see the two Koreas as one and to know that unification will come, perhaps the omittance of this question was not as important as it may seem. However, I still think it would be something to consider when taking this study and trying to apply it to things such as public policy. It is important to be mindful that there are certain things that were not asked and perhaps framed in a different way. So moving on to another limitation of this study, while there was very good geographical representation, 
in that different areas of South Korea with denser or less dense populations were represented well in the study as there were some screening questions to ensure that that was covered and also that there would be equal gender representation. And I did forget to mention earlier, but as this study does specifically mention only binary genders, we will be talking about it as such. Then uh, what other, if I might just interrupt here, what other limitations do you find with this study if the question of your reunification is one of them? Excellent question. So another caveat would be that respondents were found to be more educated than the average national population. And the anonymity aspect of data collection may mean that there is some spoilage due to dishonesty or repeat responses or perhaps other technical issues. So partly why there is a more educated population responding may be the case that participants were expected to be at least familiar with the idea of resettlement bursaries, which would be provided by the South Korean government as North Korean will be relocating when resettling. So this might be the cause of the positive correlation. And also the way the questions were phrased to ask how much funding increase should the South Korean government provide is framed in such a way where you would not say, no, I do not think that funding is the way to go. It is shown in such a positive light that you might be overestimating how supportive you are of the actual policy because, you know, once these immigrants do settle, they may be competing on a social level for resources or maybe economically for jobs. And there is actually some discussion on this that I found in my research. But before we continue, first, a message by our sponsor, Psy321 Cultural Psychology. When life gives you lemons, only society can tell you what to do next. So in regards to North Korean men, not only are they subject to the idea of being breadwinners, but there is also a persistent view of these North Korean male arrivals as being stubborn, conservative, and patriarchal. And this was a study done by Chu in 2006. So this would likely be heavily influential on South Korean female perceptions as South Korean women are especially, as previously mentioned, opposed to immigration and are very concerned with safety alongside just the socioeconomic implications. So it may be the case that because these North Korean men are perceived in a somewhat negative light and expected to be competing for jobs with the men in their lives, they may be very reluctant to offer any further support in terms of government funding. So this difference in South Korean male and female views on unification and immigration in a more broad sense would be interesting to consider and was not directly addressed in the survey either as there was no sort of follow-up question about what motivated them to answer the funding question the way they did and i think that would have been more insightful as to determine whether or not there was a strong correlation between how the south korean females perceived the reason for funding to be not as necessary or just for the general population believing North Korean males were less deserving of support. From a cultural standpoint, it seems that South Koreans are very supportive of unification, which is what you did mention earlier, Jin. 
I just wanted to point out a study done by Carnegie Endowment. They found that nearly 69% of South Koreans believe that they would be able to unify the two Koreas without any foreign intervention. And of that group, 57.2% believed that otherwise their independence and sovereignty would be infringed upon. However, 49.5% of those who did feel unification would require outside intervention found that foreign powers would likely be involved in one form or another. So it does seem like there is some sort of divide as to how South Koreans believe the unification process should occur. And it is interesting that this study was able to find these discrepancies between genders, both in South Koreans and in how they perceive North Koreans. So what do you think that means for the implications of this study on public policy? Well, I think its implications on public policy are quite clear in that a lot of South Koreans want to get reunification done independently of any other geopolitical factors. It's just unfortunately not currently possible, given that the US and China are the two biggest backers of their respective corners, if you will, of North and South Korea. And since that is the case, it also means that the very thought of reunification being an ageopolitical issue or a, a geopolitical issue that doesn't involve foreign powers is just not currently possible. But this is a very important thing to mention as we move forward, is that this perception among the South Koreans may actually prompt further political action, whatever it may be, and is a good barometer to tell for the future. I definitely agree. And I think that this study, while is one of the first in its field, was very insightful into how public policy may need to consider cultural and general public opinions in the future. So while it did not find the true driver of how these opinions came to be, there is certainly a trend in how certain male and female societal expectations are being played out. And it is interesting that the patriarchal effect is dominant in both Koreas. Going forward, I think questions such as how strongly you identify with your ethnicity or nation may be beneficial in determining who are the biggest supporters of this policy and who are not from a cultural perspective. And of course, there are a lot of implications that could be made in regards to foreign policies that could counteract existing South Korean perceptions, but that's a whole other can of worms not for today. Now we want to ask our listeners to provide their insight and what they think of how this research may be incorporated in future South Korean policy towards North Koreans and whether or not they feel that the limitations we discussed today were substantial enough to warrant further study. Let us know. So thank you, Jin, for walking us through what South Koreans think of North Koreans today. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. And we also would like to just extend a thanks to all our listeners. We greatly appreciate you for tuning in.